Welcome to the Redemption Church Podcast. We are located in Seattle, Washington. As a church, we want to be a community of faithfully present people with God, self, and others. We hope that this encourages you to do the same wherever you are. And thanks for joining us. All right, Redemption family, we are going to jump into the Word of God for today. If you're new here, my name is Alex, and I'm one of the pastors, and I just want to say thank you to you. If you are not a Christian, if you wouldn't identify as a follower of Jesus, but you found yourself here with us today, uh, I just want to say a special thank you for uh, spending your time with us. Uh, You know, you could be doing a lot of other things right now, and uh, I'm grateful that you would tune in here. And I want you to know that Redemption Church truly is a place that you can belong long before you ever believe what we as professing Christians believe about Jesus and the gospel. Um, I hope that our church remains a place where skeptics or doubters, unbelievers, seekers could come in and find a place at home to investigate the Christian faith, to ask questions, to see what Jesus has to offer the world, and you as a person. So thank you for spending time with us. Redemption family, I love you. I miss being together with you week by week. I know we keep saying it, and God willing, we will be reopened in some fashion this year. We're, we're praying, we're reading, we're studying, we're thinking, we're meeting constantly as elders, and just asking the questions surrounding safety and what God would have us do. And so I'm looking forward to being with you in person, face-to-face, but thank God we have our technology that we do uh, in this season. So with that being said, let's jump in. We are walking through the vision of Redemption Church. Now, our vision is not a copy-paste kind of churchy cliche. Uh, Rather, our vision is, is something that's very much so deeply rooted in Scripture, and it's rooted in good missiology, missionary work. We're looking at how to contextualize the gospel message best here in Seattle. Our, our, our vision is not something that is um, based on moralism. We're not trying to be good people and do good works for the sake of trying to earn a place in heaven. Rather, our vision comes out of a response to Jesus and the gospel. Our vision is simply this. Redemption Church is striving to remain faithfully present in our relationship with God, self, and others. Redemption Church is a community of believers who is striving to remain faithfully present in our relationship with God, self, and others. So this is week three in which we're looking at being faithfully present to others. And as I said a moment ago, our vision is birthed out of a response to the gospel. So let me tell you very quickly that that in the gospel, we begin with God as the Trinity, that God brings all things, including humanity, into existence by his own creative word. We're brought into existence not out of necessity, but out of his own desire. God brought us forth. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden were created for harmony with God and unity with one another. And we're commanded to work the garden. And as you know, the serpent deceived Adam and Eve. And we fell into sin. The Bible calls that the fall. We rebelled against God. We broke his law. We broke his heart. And then God responds not with just strict justice, but also extends mercy and grace and compassion. 
He promises that one day he's going to send the Lord Jesus. Throughout the Old Testament, the prophets, the priests, the kings were all building toward that moment. The story of Israel, of captivity, of rebellion, of reconciliation with God, all keeps funneling toward this one person, the blessed Lord Jesus. And in the gospel, we see Jesus fulfill the law of God, fulfill the story of God, fulfill the covenants and promises of God. As Jesus teaches us how to become whole human beings as we follow him, Jesus lived a sinless life, tempted like we all are, yet Jesus never sinned against God or anyone else. And Jesus, when he went to his cross on Good Friday, he did not go there because he deserved to be there. He was on his cross because he and his father, in divine cooperation, determined that they will redeem the world as Jesus lays down his life in our place for our sin. And the father raised Jesus from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. And as Jesus was resurrected, he then ascends back to the right hand of the Father and sent the Holy Spirit into the life of all who would call on him. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And as Christians, we're responding to that good news. And as believers now, we labor in our city seeking to become, be Uh, good representatives of the kingdom of God here in a city like ours. And we await the return of our king. So the vision of our church is faithful presence. We're responding to that reality. And to be faithfully present here in Seattle is a challenge. To be a follower of Jesus is quite the challenge, is it not? Yeah, our city, we Lean to the left of the left. We're one of the most progressive places in the world. And that can create challenges to following Christ in our city. Our city is extremely educated. Our city creates technology, ideas, cultural ideas that shape not just our city, but oftentimes the whole world. Our city has all kinds of challenges with cost of living, Not to mention the transient nature of our city. It can be quite difficult. And yet faithful presence is such a way to represent Jesus and the kingdom of God day in and day out. And so as we talk about faithful presence to others, we're going to pull up the artwork now. This artwork, this icon is designed by an artist, Scott Erickson. And we're using his art, and you're going to see this throughout, uh, throughout the years to come in being faithfully present to others. And you can see there the huddle of believers gathered, two or three are gathered in the name of Jesus, and God is present in that moment. And so we're going to talk about being faithfully present both outside the church and inside the church, because that is exactly what we're called to do. First, Uh, As Christians, we see ourselves as missionaries here in the city. When I say the word missionary, please don't check out or merely reduce it to a very narrow understanding of missionary. Oftentimes when we hear the word missionary, we think, ah, right, someone who has renounced all 
and has moved to a country in Africa and pastors people or plants churches or uh, does some kind of humanitarian labor there, something like that. Um, and that is very much so foreign missionary work. And oftentimes that work goes on for a duration of time and then people return to the states or wherever they're from. And right, and, and that's good and righteous and godly work. And that's how God works in the world. But that's not the only way that God works is in sending someone somewhere else, that we see ourselves as missionaries, salt and light, here and now. Wherever God has determined that you would live, Acts 17, that's where you are commissioned to be a missionary. Someone that is a representative of the kingdom of God in that city, in that place and time. And so for us here in Seattle, that's where we find ourselves. And so we're seeking to be a bright lighthouse for Jesus and the gospel to go forward. And so as we think about being faithfully present to others, both outside and inside the church, it's something that we have to think through. As followers of Christ, we tend to fall off on either side of the horse. It's easy to be only friends of people on the outside of the church, just people in the city, whoever it is, right? We have unbelieving friends and we can do that and yet neglect the body of Christ. At the same time, we can become such a subculture and only hang out with other Christians who think like us, talk like us, believe like us, right? And neglect the world that Jesus loves outside of the church. And so it's something that we constantly have to challenge ourselves. So what about you? Where do you tend to spend your time? Is it all believers? Is it all unbelievers? Where do you need to put some attention and some work? What should you pray through? Who should you pray for? All right? So as we think about being faithfully present outside the church, I just want to think about, about two things. Um, and it has to do with this. Justice and listening. First, outside of the church, I'm just going to pick two big ideas uh, in regards to justice. Think hmm, abortion and racism. How can Christians be faithfully present outside of the local church day by day? Well, here's two big things. What is the Christian response? Today, on Sunday, is uh, Sanctity of Life Sunday. What is the Christian response to abortion? Well, the Christian response is that we are pro-life. Pro-life. That we believe from womb to tomb, every human being is made in the image and likeness of God. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not murder. Thou, we, we are commanded by God to never take life, even inside the womb. That is what is called for as Christians. It, for us, if God is so committed to eternal life, eternal life, then certainly the response of the followers of Jesus is to be about basic biological life. So we advocate for the rights and the lives of the unborn. We will be a voice for the voiceless. We unashamedly draw a line in the sand and go, this is where we stand as followers of Jesus. This is not a political debate in our mind. We're talking about human life. And yes, it works itself out 
in political arenas, I know. But first and foremost, this is a theological commitment and conviction. Image bearers of God, worthy of life. Did you know that early Christians had the reputation of going to uh, places where uh, babies would be discarded and Christians would rescue those children and adopt them and bring them into their own homes and raise them as their own? That's amazing. Now, there was no commandment in the Old Testament or the New Testament that was working itself out at the time to go, uh, you have to do this. Go and get that baby and do X. There was no specific law. What was going on? It was the love of God at work in the lives of people who had been born again. And so we're unashamedly committed to being pro-life for all of life, for every life, which then leads to our next point. With the ongoing racism and injustices that we see around the world and in our own city and country, what is the Christian response? Well, it is not first and foremost to, to prejudge someone or to say, well, so-and-so is in that circumstance for these reasons and they deserve this and that. No. The Christian response is to remember that we follow Jesus. And Jesus himself said, as often as you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. As often as you did not do it, read Matthew 25, as often as you did not do it to the least of these, you did not do it to me. So, not arguing with Jesus. <laughs> what is the response? Well, we certainly aren't to muddy the waters or make things blurry or confusing. As Christians, justice matters to the very heart of God. And for people who believe in substitutionary atonement like we do, where we believe that God is both holy and just, as well as loving and compassionate, we, these things all merge in the cross of Jesus. And if we're going to talk about being justified before the throne of God, then certainly practicing basic acts of justice and working on behalf of the marginalized and oppressed is the responsibility of anyone who would come up after the man of sorrows who we must deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. And here's what I know. Jesus will always lead you to other people. He will lead you into his church because he's a good husband and he always introduces people to his bride and he will always lead you to the marginalized, the suffering, the oppressed, to labor on their behalf and know they do not have to think like us, look like us and talk like us before they are worthy of love, grace, kindness, dignity, compassion, and all the rest, they are image bearers of God. And so we unashamedly, unashamedly will continue to work to, towards reconciliation and human flourishing because it's at the very heart of the gospel. That's good news. And that is so exciting to be a part of, to be present to the outside world in those ways. But more than that, 
in being present, in being present uh, is not just acts of justice and so on, but to think about listening, listening. When Jesus was, was walking the earth and doing his ministry, think of him as a listener. In Luke chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, we learn that Jesus was called the friend of sinners. That was not like <laughs> a, a, a gold star, but rather that was a slur. That was a slanderous way of, that the religious, self-righteous people talked about Jesus. You know? A friend of sinners. He hangs out with those people. But how does Jesus get a reputation like being friend of sinners? Well, when he came to the earth, he didn't pick up a sword or launch a political campaign or a military campaign. When Jesus came to the earth, he came and he used a skill that you already have, listening. How does Jesus become a friend of sinners without listening? You can't. <laughs> Think about all the things that Jesus listened to, all the people that constantly were bombarding him. We're going to be studying the Gospel of Mark soon uh, on Wednesday nights, and you're going to see something about a theology of the crowds that are constantly bombarding Jesus. But think about all the things that Jesus listened to, and he never cut people off. He knew Jairus was going to come to him and tell him his daughter was sick, but Jesus listened. Jesus knew about Bartimaeus being blind, but Jesus listened. Jesus knew the lepers were going to cry out for mercy, but first he listened. Jesus knew the story of the woman at the well, and he listened. Think about the people and the stories that Jesus listened to. If you're going to be faithfully present to people outside the church in the name of evangelism, in the name that they might hear the good news, you're going to have to develop the art of listening. You see, it's not about grabbing a picket sign or merely memorizing a few verses and trying to find a way in and just launch into repentance and faith and eternal life and forgiveness of sin and all. You got to listen. Part of what we're committed to do as a church family is listen to our unbelieving neighbors on the outside, listening to their stories, their pain listening to their setbacks, listening to their, their losses, listening to their objections, listening to their questions, listening to where they come from, listening, stewarding, and not cu cutting off. We've got to listen first and then respond. That's exactly what Jesus did. If you want something to read this week, go read John 4. You'll see the woman at the well. The woman approaches Jesus. They have a conversation. Jesus gets to know her. He gets to understand her. And then he brings the good news to bear to her situation. We want to be listeners to those outside of the church. You know, one of the most incredible ways to show people that we love them is to listen it's just to listen. So that's outside the church. What about inside the church? Faithful presence. Um, when it comes to being faithfully present in the church, I want you to think of uh, all the one another's. If you search the phrase one another in the New Testament, 
You'll see it show up over 50 times. All kinds of horizontal commands for Christians to be diligent about in the body of Christ. So here, I'll just read you six. Romans 12.10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12.25, have concern for one another. Galatians 5.13, serve one another. Galatians 6.2, carry one another's burdens. Um, Colossians 3.16, teach one another. James 5.16, confess your sins to one another. Like on and on it goes. There are all these commands. Do these things. But how can you listen to, love, serve, teach, exhort? (laughs) How can you do all these things to one another when you're absent from one another? You can't. You see, Jesus has hardwired Christian growth and depth and maturity into you. He's hardwired the whole thing so that you'll actually need one another. I have yet, and I'm certain you have, yet to meet a follower of Jesus who is passionate about him, who is maturing in their faith, that says, well, here's how I'm growing. I don't go to church. Uh, I don't connect with other people and talk about my faith. I just listen to lots of podcasts, good ones, uh, and I pump in a bunch of CCM, worship music, you know, and, and that's how I'm growing. That's, that's how I'm growing. I, I've yet to meet that person. I read a lot of Christian blogs. No, no, no. The ones that are growing are the ones that are connected to one another and working out their faith together, that are carrying one another's burdens together. If you want to persevere, if you want to finish the race, you're not going to go it alone, but rather you're going to need the one another's. And I know saying we need one another and wanting to be together right now in our time of having to stay at home and socially distance and all the rest, I know that's hard. So here's Here's one thing. I want you to start thinking through when we can reopen, when we can get together to think about and resolve now. When we reopen, I am going to be a committed, regular worshiper at Redemption. I'm going to show up to my life group. I'm going to show up on Sunday mornings. I'm going to show up at every serving opportunity. I'm going to show up and I'm going to be present to one another because I'm not here just to consume sermons and sing songs. I'm here to connect with the body of Christ. And the reality is this. Many will not remember this sermon tomorrow. (laughs) And and I'm not offended by that at all. I mean, I hope you do. But the reality is, where do you really grow? What are the things that you really remember? You remember conversations. How are you growing deeply? You grow when your friend looks you in the face and acknowledges you, encourages you, affirms you, helps you, carries you along. Yeah, that's how you grow. You grow with the person who knows how to weep with the weeping and rejoice with the rejoicing. If you want to finish this race, all you need is two or three devoted brothers and sisters to come alongside you, to put their arm around you and say, let's do this. We can finish this thing together. What I want to do today is to conclude our sermon with simply taking our artwork from Scott Erickson and to put that on the screen. And we're going to take 60 seconds. 
And what I want you to do is to look at this artwork and I want you to think about the brothers and sisters who've encouraged you along the way. Think back to when you were a kid. Who encouraged you? Who told you about Jesus? In high school, through your college years, on through adulthood, who's reached out to you? Who's built you up? Who's reminded you that God is still in control? Who's been the friend that wept with you when you were in the gutter? Who did you call? Where did you go? Who are the people that are helping you persevere right now? Who are the ones that text you, email you, call you, and go for a walk with you? Who are the people that are dropping off meals and making sure you know that you're loved? Who are the people that bring real significance to your life? Who are the ones that remind you that God loves you? Take 60 seconds. Think about those people. And when you're done, I want you to reach out, call them, text them, make sure that you express your gratitude because it's likely you're still in the faith right now because of the faithfulness of God for sure. And that faithfulness of God is often expressed through the family of God. Thank you for listening. Thanks again for joining us. If you want more information about our church or would like to come visit us on a Sunday, go to redemptionseattle.com.